I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And the Green Bay Packers fall to the Detroit Lions 19-7. No, that's not me misspeaking. They lost 19-7 to the Detroit Lions. Obviously, that gives us a lot to talk about, and one of the most inept performances by a Packer offense in, quite honestly, about 20 years. Uh, there haven't been many of these seven-point outings for a Green Bay Packer offense since their renaissance in 1992. So a lot of questions that need answers that we probably don't have yet at this point in the season. But let's get right into it, Matt. I don't even know where to start as far as the offense is concerned, but we might have expected them to lose to Detroit 39-27, to not 19-7. to That was incredible. Yeah, I feel like a buffoon. I, I swear I told everybody who asked me about the game that it was going to be a shootout. And it seems like that happens a lot when you expect a shootout. That's when it doesn't happen. But it seemed like there was no way that this wouldn't be a high-scoring game. And to be surprised that the Packers lost, I guess I'm not super surprised. But to lose in that fashion with only putting seven points against a bad secondary is kind of shocking. Well, very shocking. Yeah, that's the part that's so frustrating is if they would have lost 38-31, I wouldn't have felt much different about this team. But they've dominated the Lions. Aaron Rodgers has, they showed it a ton of times during the game yesterday. We talked about it last week, that he's dominated the Lions. He's played great in Ford Field, and they could not do anything. And the thing that scares me is I was listening to the post-game press conferences for both McCarthy and Rodgers yesterday, and I texted you this yesterday. Their response was basically, well, they played a lot of cover, too, so, yeah. Like, the cover two defense, the, the defense that they used to try to stifle Brett Favre in 1995 is the defense that your offense doesn't have an answer for? Yeah. This is the offense that they supposedly, or the defense that they supposedly used to stop you in 2012 after 2011, and you were able to make adjustments. I, I don't know where to start with this, but that was alarming to me that their response was, yeah, they played a lot of too high. Uh, we tried to run the ball. We couldn't run the ball. So, pfft, what, I don't know. I don't know what to do now. I'm just one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time with a Super Bowl winning coach. What, what, what can we do against a basic defense that every single defense in the world runs? Right. I mean, were they just, again, it's kind of hard to see really what the receivers are doing down the field very much. But, I mean, were they just still running the same routes over <laughs> and over again like, against what you would normally run against the full out zone or, you know, something like mm-hmm. that? I I'm not sure how you'd be that befuddled by a cover two. I know if you run it well, it's a very tough defense to beat. Um, not a lot of teams can do it well with their front seven that they had yesterday. It definitely helps things out. But to not be able to beat a cover two at all is just kind of shocking for a, a quarterback and a coach who's supposed to be so offensive-minded. Well, and the Bears have run the cover two with better talent for ten years. Yeah. And they've had no problems scoring on the Bears. And so is it a lack of talent on the offensive side? And we could talk about the key points uh, 
the, the people have brought up they shouldn't have let go of James Jones and they this is something we talked about last week about maybe they overvalued Randall Cobb at this point in his career. You can both you can make arguments for both of those. The clear problem is they can't run the football. And I don't know if they expected it to do more, but my problem is not with the fact that they're not running the football very well, because they're certainly trying. I get that that's what they want to do to try to stop the cover, too, so they can get over the top of that. But why are they running a 231-pound back out of the shotgun every single time? And maybe that's how they did it last year. I'd have to go back and watch this. But we always make fun of announcers confusing Jordy Nelson with Wes Welker because of some very obvious superficial characteristics that they share. Perhaps Mike McCarthy thinks Eddie Lacy, due to his dreadlocks, is actually Chris Johnson because those are the kind of plays that they're setting up for him. And the Packers are getting whooped at the point of attack. You have this huge north-south running back who's getting the ball, and by the time he gets it, the line of scrimmage has already shifted towards him two yards. I don't think, A, they're not executing. That's something that they just have to get better at. But it seems like given the fact that they have weaknesses in execution, their strategy is not set up to mask those. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, if, if you're going to have an offensive line that can't get any push, at least just get them going straight right away so we can at least pick up a few yards if you're going to stick with the run game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the kind of offense they're running, and you can see by the averages the last few weeks, is that Starks is probably a more effective back in that type of an offense. Mm-hmm. He ran for almost five yards a pop yesterday where Lacey was down just just above three, so uh, it's just not not meant for him and his style, and it's clearly not working, and uh, you're right, I mean, the execution's got to be better, that's first and foremost, you can run those plays if you're blocking it well, but they're not, so you've got to change something, or just scrap the run game altogether and not run it over 20 times if you can't do it. Yeah, and the problem is, a lot of times with this cover two, they can't run the football, that's a big problem, they got to get better at that, or they're going to be in big trouble this season. But they couldn't run in 2012 when everybody was playing the cover two to stop that 2011 offense. But they were still able to pass the ball. They ha- Aaron Rodgers had a phenomenal season in 2012. People forget about it because 2011 was so good. But it seems to be that in order for that offense to work when you can't run the ball and you're playing the cover two is the quarterback has to play very, very well. And Aaron Rodgers is not playing very well right now. And I wrote down a note here that it almost is Aaron Rodgers encapsulated a little bit, is his quarterback rating for the season right now is 95.7, which is not bad at all. And he, if you've watched the games, he looks terrible out there. He, he can't, he's underthrowing guys, he's overthrowing guys. He looks terrified to run, which to me, I'm, I'm throwing a lot of points at you right now, but there's obviously a game like this has a lot on your mind. But not only is his accuracy bad, but the thing that scared me yesterday that I started noticing in the Seattle game is the first sign that Brett Favre was getting old, if you remember, in the early 2000s, was that he was no longer too willing to run for first downs. And we're starting to see that from Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. He can run for 10 yards and he'll zip it over Jordy's head, or he'll try to dump it behind his back to Starks like he did yesterday. And so... The solution in 2012 to not being able to run the ball and having to play cover two was to have the best quarterback in the league, and you don't have much of an argument right now that Aaron Rodgers is playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. No, and that was one of, I mean, on top of all your points, that was one of the the things I kind of came away from the game yesterday is I'm finally able to 
um, give up on that argument, for, at least for the time being, because I don't think there's, and maybe it's it's hurtful for pack, some Packer fans to hear, and I, I know when I would hear analysts say it, it it's like, hey, well, come on. <laughs> but I, he's not the best quarterback in the NFL right now. And if you weren't sure, I hope you stayed in football mode enough to watch old concrete foot Peyton Manning evade that Seattle rush and still be effective. A guy who's supposed to be a statue, and he stood back there, and he was able to avoid a similar rush that drove Aaron Rodgers nuts so far this year. He's a guy who can't run away. He can't roll out, and just by having pocket presence was able to tear apart that Seattle secondary. Yeah, and... And I mean, I think it does have a lot to do with the weapons you're putting around a guy like Aaron Rodgers, uh, as opposed to maybe what Peyton has and a better offensive line. But that's all true, but your quarterback is still not playing that well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you look at the numbers, sure, he's, you know, everything looks okay. He's 16 of 27. He's got a touchdown, no picks. Um, 167 yards, though. That's Blaine Gabbert stuff. Yeah. But, you know, a quarterback rating of 89. And, it, it, you know, it looks... Okay, but it's not Aaron Rodgers, and it's not what we're used to, and it's not good enough to win with the current team around him. So, mm-hmm. if this team has any chance to even make the playoffs this year, he's going to have to play, you know, back to old Aaron Rodgers. If it's if it's this all year long, we're in big, big trouble, and I'm probably not even going to sneak into a wild card. Yeah, this is clearly not fair, but he looked like Sam Bradford or. Ryan Tannehill yesterday. And he clearly, did play that way, yeah. It's not a fair comparison. He's not those guys, no. but he played like one yesterday. Yeah, with the, those ridiculous numbers of I am not going to... It's the thing that I cry about on this show all the time, and it's it's probably not the right way to go, but it's the thing that as a person who has no control over what's happening, you find infuriating, where you're basically just going to see a guy stand in the pocket, throw check downs, play the percentages, and lose... 19 to 7. It's, you don't, never want to compare him to far, but in some ways, it's a tad more satisfying. It still stinks, but it's a tad more satisfying to see Brett Favre play the great Buccaneers defenses and just say, screw it, we are not moving the ball, we can't do it, I'm just going to take some risks, and I'm going to throw four interceptions, and we're going to still lose 19 to 7, but at least I tried. I mean, this game looked like a game from 2005, did it not, yesterday? Yeah, and, and we've kind of talked about this too. It just seems like the mindset where it's just let's be super conservative. We'll be in the game at the end and we'll win, we'll win with Aaron Rodgers. But with the rest of the team around you, you can't do that anymore. And it's kind of like the same thing they had going last week is, yeah, well, we'll just run it, check down, have to punt, and it doesn't matter. It seems like when they really want to turn it turn it on, like towards the end of the game when they had to make a drive, um, yeah. they ended up turning it over on fourth down. But all of a sudden, boom, they're right back at it, and they're just marching right down the field and throwing it down the field. Mm-hmm. It's just... It's like it's part of the, this weird game plan where they think that this is a team with a good de- – they think it's 2010 again, and they think their defense can keep them in games, which the defense actually did yesterday and played yeah. well. Mm-hmm. But it was just so uber-conservative and hard to watch. If you know, if he's throwing for 162 yards, you're not going to win. No, and that's what's so sad is this might have been the best defensive performance in several years. Yeah, yeah, it was great. If I would have told you before the game that Matt Stafford would have no touchdowns, two interceptions, a quarterback rating in the 60s, and Calvin Johnson would have 80 yards catching on six receptions or or something close to that, you would have expected the Packers to have blown the Lions away. Yeah. The Packers' offense scored nine points for the Lions and seven points for themselves. I mean, that that is telling in itself right there. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh... I don't have the answer. I'm afraid that right now, today, McCarthy and Rodgers might not have the answer, 
and you're playing in a team that's almost identical to Detroit uh, on Sunday against the Bears, and that is a really scary proposition that you're going to potentially be two down with two division losses uh, already after the month of September. Uh, I don't. Yeah, know. <laughs> it's a scary prospect. I mean, you're lucky you've got Minnesota coming up right after that, which you'll win that game. Um, you would at least hope so. But, yeah, this game next weekend now I have no confidence in again after seeing what we just saw. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've played two teams in a row with good defensive fronts and have looked really bad doing it. You you beat the Jets, but you didn't look good doing it, mm-hmm. and you lose a horrible game to Detroit. Now you've got a team like Chicago with um, you know with some firepower up front and Jared Allen and some other guys. So I, I don't know. <laughs> it's just uh, it's not looking good for the, the, the future prospects. And I think there's a chance they can get back into it. I mean, I don't yeah, expect... Yeah, I'm not going to completely write this team off yet, even after such a bad game. We kind of saw this in, in 2010, too, earlier in the year, where they lost some games that were really frustrating. Um, <laughs> maybe didn't look this bad offensively, but, you know, they, yeah. they were able to turn it around. So we've seen it before. I'm not going to say they're completely done, but it, they can't keep playing like this, clearly. Obviously. Yeah, and I, I don't think they're completely done either in terms of, like, a playoff spot or winning the division and whatever, and... You know, when you're starting to think Carolina's the best team in the NFC, then Pittsburgh goes to Carolina and crushes them last night. So yeah, I don't even – Denver looked like they're a better team than Seattle, even in the loss yesterday. And Cincinnati looks like the best team in the league. Yeah, and Arizona can't yeah, lose. Yeah, been awesome. So there's definitely some room to work, but at some point you have to start contributing to you being in the race instead of have everybody fall back to you. You have to start winning some races yourself. I feel like I'm a little bit of an alarmist, so I talk about these things all the time, and I've seen so many of the old Packer games, and I I read the stats, and I I enjoy those things. So I'm much more familiar with the week-to-week and the kind of important moments of years past. But And I've made this reference several times, but this felt like a monumental loss to the Lions. They've dominated the Lions completely. The only two losses they've had to the Lions in the Mike McCarthy era were when Aaron Rodgers got lost to a concussion, and when Aaron Rodgers didn't even play at all. And so, for them to get thoroughly beaten in Detroit felt like not a changing of the guard, but it felt like, okay, things are different than they were in the past. Uh, I compare it, I, I mentioned the 99 season a lot last year, but I compare it a little bit to 1998, when the Packers were 4-0, they hosted the 4-0 Vikings on Monday Night Football, a team that they had roughed up the last three times they had played, playing at Lambeau Field where they'd only lost four times in the entire Mike Holmgren era, and Minnesota crushed them. And it felt like, okay, we still have Favre, we still have Reggie White, we still have a really good core, but this is not the world-beating Super Bowl champions that they were anymore, and they probably never will be again. And that's the feeling I had yesterday where, yeah, we still have Aaron Rodgers, and we still have Clay Matthews, and we still have the core of a good team, but as much as we've been waiting for the team either offensively go back to 2011 form or defensively go back to 2010 form, we've kind of foolishly hoped that it would return, and I think after the first three weeks this year, it is definitive to me that those days are gone forever with this core of guys. Sure. And, I mean, that's just kind of when you look yesterday, it just seems like there's so many holes everywhere. There's just so many things you need. And it's kind of, like, shocking almost how does that happen in just a few years' time where you felt like you had a a promising 
guy at almost every position, at least for the future, a nice young guy or a solidified veteran, and now it's just like, do you really have Guyon starting at middle linebacker? Do you really have Lattimore or Brad Jones starting or starting middle linebacker, Guyon at D-tackle? Mm-hmm. And some of these guys on the offensive line, and it's just like, can you really have these guys starting on the Green Bay Packers that we expect to, you know, to be Super Bowl contenders every year? And I think you're right. I, I'm not saying that they can't get back there like it sounds like you might be saying, but... I, with this established team right now, it's it's pretty hard to imagine. Yeah, and I guess I am saying that. As uh, is, is sad as it is, I think they maybe have a chance of the way the Giants have a chance or that the Ravens had a chance. I mean, you can't, as long as they're in it, they're still in it. But there's no reason to expect it at this point. Mm-hmm. I just think we've had enough evidence now since 2010 that shows that that season was a bit of a fluke, uh, certainly on the defensive side. And the offense has always been really good, but they're just one of several really good offenses. That 2011 offense that just tore everybody apart and that we've seen a few glimpses of, you know, against the Texans in 2012 and against Minnesota uh, in the Metrodome last year, those teams are those teams are gone. I, I don't see how they're ever going to get back to that point without a huge influx of new talent. Yeah, and I would also say, too, uh, along with the other best offenses in the league, which you would usually consider the Packers in that group, I mean, they're by far the least innovative. They don't do anything that yeah. people don't know what's coming. It's the same, it seems like the same offense they've been running for the last you know six, seven years, and everybody's got it figured out. They've had it figured out for three years now, and they just keep shoving it down people's throat. <laughs> it's working less and less and less every every week, every year. Well, and maybe that's just a sign of people catching up with it, and maybe that's why it's so frustrating that they don't have an answer for it, which I understand. It's working, so you stick with it until it doesn't work anymore. But, you know, Josh McDaniels' New England offense doesn't look very good anymore, and Sean Payton's offense looks behind the times now, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, so these guys got to realize that they need to – they might have a calendar, you know, one of those uh, day-by-day calendars that you forget to tear the pages off. I think it says, like, uh, November 2001 on the desks of all these Patriots and Saints and Packers coaches. Mm-hmm. It's time to join us in 2014 because if you watch the Broncos and you watch Seattle and you watch these pick plays and these crossing routes and these innovative play actions, they have wide-open guys all the time. And I don't know if we said this last week, but uh, – Caleb Pike, you know, a friend of of the family, family member of ours, and then also a a listener to the show, he always brings up, whenever they show the breakaway highlights during the Packer games, he's like, where are our wide-open guys? You just see the, oh, man, let's go to Philadelphia, and here's Nick Foles throwing a punt to some guy who doesn't have anybody 30 yards with, you know, close to him. Yeah, no, he's right. Everybody has wide-open guys, and we watch everything. I never see our wide open guys in the way that it seems Washington gets wide open guys. Where, why, why can't we have wide open guys? No, you're right. It just seems like everybody's constantly blanket covered, and Jordy's the only guy who can get open. But then now he's got two guys on him all the time, so he can't get open either. So, what do you do? I mean, I think it does tie back. And you know, you lose Finley, you lose James Jones, you lose Greg Jennings. You can only let so many of these guys walk and still yeah. be the same team. I mean, they were all very good at getting open. And, um, I mean, say what you want about James Jones, but he was very good at getting separation for not a very fast guy. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, that probably has a lot to do with it, too. I mean, like you said, you overvalue Cobb maybe a little bit. It hasn't looked great. If Boykin's your number three, I don't think that's a great number three. Mm-hmm. And uh, if Corliss is your starting tie-in, that's not great either. So, I mean, they need to maybe get some Rodgers some help. 
Yeah, and I hate to go back to 1999, but it, it kind of feels that way again, where you're like, we have the best quarterback in the world, and you start believing that kind of false narrative that this guy can make anybody great. And in 99, it was like, yeah, we'll replace Mark Chimura and Robert Brooks and Keith Jackson with Jeff Thomason and Bill Schrader and Corey Bradford, and we'll be fine, right? And no, it's not the same. It, it, it Those guys eventually did okay, but... It's not the same as having these really, really good kind of Pro Bowl level players. You can't yeah. replace them with these lesser guys and expect there to be no drop off. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where to go from here, but uh, we'll switch to the positive of yesterday, which was obviously the Green Bay defense. They played very well. They forced a couple of turnovers. I almost had a stroke after that call on the Devon House interception where Mike Pereira comes on and says he hit the ground at the one and then on his own accord decided to roll into the end zone. I'm like, that field could have been made of mud and he would have rolled into the end zone when he hit the ground diving from the five to the one yard line. Yeah. It's like these referees and the people that are in charge of the NFL rule books need to take a basic physics class because that would have been impossible for him to stop there. Uh, one of the worst calls ever, and it's another example that the rules of catching a football, something that seems to be the most intuitive thing in the world, that people who have never watched sports can say, yeah, that's a catcher, that's not a catch, or, oh, he should be down here, or that's momentum. The NFL has some backwards rules governing that act, one of the most common acts in football, that don't seem to resemble reality in the least, and that really turned the momentum because then they had the safety right after. But how in the world do you say he dives from the five, hits the ground at the one, and because he didn't stick into the ground like dropping a golf ball in sand that he did it on purpose? Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. And I had I just got home at that point. I was listening to the first part on the radio, and I walked in and I saw the pick. And I was like, all right. And I kind of walked away for a second, and I got back. And all of a sudden I saw him snapping it from the one and getting a safety, and I was just so confused. <laughs> As to what would have happened, because I saw the play and I was like, nice, touchback. I mean, it was just instant. You didn't even think about it. Yeah. And then for that to come around, I mean, what do you do other than just be really, really angry about it? Yeah. You just feel so helpless when something like that happens. Just like the uh, the uh, the fail Mary. I mean, it's yeah. like, that's wrong. There's got to be some kind of justice here. But No, there's, there's no not. justice. It's what I've no. said all the time. The NFL does not care in the least who wins the games. You could have a team get completely screwed over. Uh, you could have a team that has more points than the other, and the refs come out and say, ah, we, we changed our mind. You know, Packers win. They don't care. They have absolutely no interest in justice when it comes to rules or winning because it's not interesting to them. Fantasy's interesting. Gambling's interesting. High TV ratings are interesting. And they're going to get all of those things whether or not teams get screwed out of wins or yeah. plays. Um, no, you're right. That seems to be the, and this is probably a larger topic, but that really seems to be the the Goodell initiative is, you know, focuses on those things, making the money, and maybe a little bit less about the quality. Yeah, absolutely. But what a stupid! I don't, I don't think an Olympic gymnast can stick a landing like that. Yeah, ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to bring that up. Uh, so the defense, though, I thought played pretty well. Any chance that they sustain that week to week? I mean, they they can definitely get better than they were the the first uh, week, and then for a half last week, I don't think they're gonna be that good again this year, probably. But I I think maybe it just at least showed some positives. I mean, 
for example, I mean, Lattimore goes in and gets 10 tackles, which is better than anything Brad Jones has done, I'm sure, in the last couple of years. Yeah, he played real well. Yeah, and then, you know, the normal guys who played well played well, but it just still kind of a lot of holes. I think that defense can be better than they have been, but I don't think that this is uh, something we're going to see again. Yeah, uh, it was nice to see Peppers. Uh, do you have any idea uh, about the status of Clay Matthews right now? I don't. Um, I guess I haven't heard anything on that today. I kind of forgot about it, to be honest with you. It just seems so so common. I guess I kind of always assume he's hurt. <laughs> it looks like he's questionable for next week. Yeah, I just saw that as well. So, uh, Okay, so he the only year he played 16 games was 2009, uh, his first year. Uh, all the other years he at least missed one game. And he hasn't played in more than 12 games since 2011. Wow. So... I mean, what do you even say about injuries? I mean, you feel bad about it, but they had all this kind of new age stuff that they were going to do in the off season, and none of it worked. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I sound really angry today, and I'm not quite uh, that angry uh, as, as maybe I sound. I just start getting riled up when we talk about all this. But there is a part of me that I tried really hard to be optimistic this off season, and it felt like we were sold some snake oil a little bit yeah, watching this team were. in the preseason. <laughs> Yeah, I, this is the most confident I've felt in a few years, and I was pretty confident in my pick that the Packers were going to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, but, yeah. but yeah, I think, I mean, all that talk about, you know, getting the team more healthy, being more aggressive on defense, finally letting Dom do what he wants to do on defense. It's like, alright, yeah, you make some nice draft picks, you've got a good team, but it's just, it's been, yeah, obviously more and more the same. Well, hopefully uh, this new same goes away soon and we can get back to more of the old same. Is that enough of a Yogi Berra style quote for so, you? So, real quick, rapid fire. If the Packers go 8-8 eight eight or worse this year, is McCarthy gone? I would like to say, you know what, no, I don't think so. I, I think 8-8 eight eight is not enough. It would have to be 6-10 and 10 or 5-11 and 11 or something like that. Or there's been talk that if you listened and read between the lines in some of the press conferences recently that Rodgers and McCarthy are not quite on the same page and they seem to be subtly saying, well, it's not my call. You know, almost passing the buck a little bit. And that's a simplistic thing. I don't, you know, they're not, it's not that bad. There's probably that if you listen to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick after the Dolphins lost, they probably sounded the same way. But unless that relationship deteriorates completely and you have them not speaking to each other or, or have some kind of public out, you know, uh, backlash against one another like we sort of saw in Minnesota in 2012. Unless something very public like that happens, it's going to take more than 8-8, eight eight, I think, to get him fired. Yeah, you're right. I'd, but, hey, if they score seven points a few more times this year, I think there's there's probably already a lot of frustration in, in both of them right now. If this keeps happening, mm-hmm. something could very well come out in the public. Rodgers isn't exactly a super quiet guy if he's mad about something. So yeah. see him yelling at McCarthy on the sidelines or something, and we'll kind of know it starts. Yeah, and part of me yesterday was just thinking, maybe that's what they need. And I like McCarthy, and I think he's been a really good coach. And I feel like with how much Ted Thompson's talked about and how much Rodgers has talked about, he gets far less credit than he deserves for that Super Bowl win. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's a great coach. He seems to be a really good motivator. But Maybe it's the same way people feel in New Orleans right now, starting one and two, is that his ideas look old. When you watch yep. their team play, it looks like an offense that doesn't fool anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so maybe, maybe you need a changing of the guard, but I think it's going to have to take something pretty dramatic to have it happen this year. Mm-hmm.
Um, I guess that's all I have about this game. There's not really much else that I, I wanted to talk about. We did have a comment on Facebook from uh, Eric Hansen, one of our great listeners, and he said this was probably the worst I've seen the Packers' offense look since the 07 game in Chicago where that crazy windstorm was just blowing the ball everywhere. On the bright side, the defense looked good, but the team seriously looks a long way away from being a contender right now. I'm also seriously starting to think if Rodgers' injury is still affecting him more than we realize. I mean, outside of the touchdown to Cobb in Chicago in the second half of the Jets game, he's just been off since returning from injury. And then he uh, added a couple what-ifs that maybe we can do either. Uh, there's kind of short ones, so we can either do those today or later. I threw those out there uh, to that anybody could submit a what-if topic or something a, a little more lighthearted uh, since yesterday was not a very fun day. But before we get into any of that, into our picks, what do you think about Eric's idea of Roger's injury still being a problem? I, I, I mean, it's definitely possible. I guess I was this kind of frustrated with this offense last year before Rodgers got hurt, though. It seemed like we were seeing a lot of those things then, too, even. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of being amplified now. So it seems like the same thing. You know, guys can't get open. Rodgers is missing guys he usually hits. And I just, I mean, I remember that Baltimore Ravens game last year and some of those early games. I just was kind of the same sort of frustrated. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm thinking more along the lines of we were kind of seeing signs of this over the last couple of years, and it's finally coming to a head and being exposed. But, I mean definitely something could still be wrong he definitely has looked off a little bit so i wouldn't rule that out yeah i guess i can't speak to how bad the injury uh, has affected him but like you said he's clearly off and you could make an argument that the offense schematically has been a little bit behind the times for maybe the last year and a half and his accuracy has masked it i mean he's able to throw completions to covered guys because he's just so good and so now that he's not perfect all the time when he's throwing the ball, it really kind of amplifies just how behind the times this offense looks at times. Yeah. The Packers' offense right now is 28th in yards, which stinks. They're uh, 27th in rushing, 20th in passing. So those aren't numbers you typically see from the Packers almost 20% through the season. But let's get to picks now, which... If there's anything worse than the Packers' offense, it's my ability to guess what's going to happen the following Sunday because I had another horrible week picking games. Yes, you did. Um, do you have the tally? Because I didn't even take it. I know I picked opposite of you on some games and got all of them wrong pretty much. Yeah, I, I realized that yesterday too because I actually had a pretty good day. I had 11 points yesterday and I have Chicago tonight. So my best week so far already even without the tonight's game. So 11-4 and four you were then? Yes. Okay. So the ones that I did not, or that I did get that I think you didn't, is I think you picked Buffalo over San Diego. Yeah. Uh, you picked Cleveland over Baltimore. I almost had that one. Almost. Yeah, that was a good game. Um, and other than that, did you pick the Giants over Houston or Houston? I think I picked Houston. Yeah, I think you did too. So those are the only two that I remembered, but. Yeah. So you didn't even write them down or anything. Well, oh, you I, picked Miami over Kansas City, too. Did they lose? I didn't even see that. Yeah, Kansas City. Okay. No, I have them. I was going to tally them on the way back gotcha. from, or I wasn't going to tally them while I was driving <laughs> home from work. But I was going to listen to them, and I was going to remember them, but I didn't have a chance to do that. I just figured you won this week. Uh, so I'll definitely tally those. I'm not trying to get out of our bet here. Right. I mean, everybody already knows how stupid I am if they listen to the show and then watch the games yesterday. So I don't need to hide from anything. It's out there in the archives for someone to discover. 
but let's get to uh, week four. And I think, Eric, we'll save your what-ifs. I really like those topics, but um, I think I want to save those for a little bit when we are in a happier mood and we can kind of talk a little bit about the brighter days of the Holmgren Super Bowl years. So let's go to week four already. Gosh, it just feels like this season's going to fly by. So we start in Washington, where the Redskins with Kirk Cousins, the offensive juggernaut, hosts the New York Giants, who came alive a little bit yesterday. I almost picked them, and then, of course, they started playing well. So whatever I say is going to happen in this game, clearly the opposite will probably end up happening. Mm -hmm. So who do you got first, since you're the the lead dog here? This is a tough one to start here. I think I'm going to go Washington, just because I think that... uh... Kirk Cousins in that offense might have a little bit more firepower than the New York Giants do right now, and both defenses are pretty bad, but I guess it's weird, but I think I might even trust Kirk Cousins more than Eli Manning right now, so I, maybe that's my uh, decisive part. I, I guess I'll go Washington. I think I'm going to take Washington as well because I have a feeling that they're going to have a very raucous crowd. Uh, they're yeah. going to be behind them after almost beating Philadelphia. I think people want to rally around Kirk Cousins, and a team hated like the Giants coming into town feels like a great atmosphere for a primetime game and a Redskins win. Bills at Texans coming up. Uh, I guess chance for Fitzy to get some revenge on the Buffalo Bills if he didn't have that chance last year at Tennessee. I have no idea what to expect from either of these teams. I guess oof, I'll take the Texans because they're at home. <laughs> All right, yeah, I guess that's a as good of a, a reason as any. I'm going to go Buffalo, though. I think both these teams have looked pretty good, but I was really disappointed by Houston's defense yesterday and what they allowed against the Giants. So mm-hmm. I think that's the, the part of their team I, I really liked, and they got exposed. So I think Buffalo's looked maybe a little better this year. I'll go with the Bills there. Okay. Ravens uh, hosting the Panthers, so a chance for Steve Smith to get some revenge on his old team. Will he be able to get it? He'll probably have a big day, I think. And uh, I would have picked Carolina on a heartbeat last week, but now after last night, I'm second-guessing them against any NFC North team or (laughs) AFC North team. I I think I'll still stick with Carolina. I think that Ravens offense can get shut down pretty easily, so I'll go Carolina. Yeah... Gosh, this is a tough one. I guess I'll go with Carolina, too, reluctantly. I don't trust Cam Newton at all. It always floors me how he gets lumped in with Andrew Luck and Russell Wilson and Kaepernick as this exciting young quarterback. And maybe statistically he's been there. I know he's always on the top of the quarterback list for fantasy because he has a lot of rushing touchdowns and stuff. But if you actually watch the games... He might be there with Kaepernick, but he's certainly not as good as either Andrew Luck or Russell Wilson, and I don't even think it's close. So I almost have no faith in him to win tough games. He'll kind of surprise you some weeks, but then two other weeks he'll play like he did last night. So I will pick the Panthers, but I think there's a definite chance for an upset. Yeah, I think the Kaepernick comparison's a good one. I I feel and have felt that that exact way about Kaepernick is he just can't trust them at all in, in a big game, and Newton is, yeah, like you said, he's put up some numbers with the, with the rushing yards and everything, and he does it from time to time, but he's just so inconsistent, like yeah. last night. Yeah, absolutely. The Lions head to the Jets. So if the Jets are able to beat the Bears tonight and then beat the Lions, they'll be kicking themselves, because had they beat Green Bay, they'd be first place in the NFC North. <laughs> I'm just uh, trying to make fun of the Jets having to play all the NFC North teams. Yeah, season. I was confused. I was like, did you mean AFC East there? But no, I get no. it now. Okay. Um, uh, I can't even I, make jokes in this segment. I'm the worst at everything. 
Um, I uh, I kind of want to pick the Jets, but I really wish I could see tonight's game first. It just seems like a letdown game for Detroit, but I think that they're just a better team, and I think their offense can do enough against what we saw last week is a pretty weak Jets secondary. So I guess I'll go Detroit. Yeah, I think I'll take Detroit too. I feel like Caldwell is kind of... St- Studied the ship a little bit, so maybe we won't see as many of those letdown games for the Lions. Mm-hmm. And gosh, if they can play that way against the Packers with a bunch of starters missing in the secondary, I think they they could be really good this year. So I'm going to go with Detroit. Sure. The Titans at the Colts. Uh, I'll go first this time. I think the Colts will beat the Titans. Uh, Tennessee, I think, is not very good, and uh, the Colts kind of looked like they righted the ship yesterday. Yeah, Colts by 40. <laughs> that's, that's like a college football line right there. <laughs> All right, Dolphins at Raiders. Would have been a great game in the 70s or 80s. Not so much. Stinks now. Yeah, yeah. it's horrible. Uh, who do you got? Um, This is a really hard one. I, I think this is going to be an upset of mine for the week. I think I'll, I'll take Oakland. I think Miami's the better team, but it's just Oakland's kind of hung in there for some of their games, and it haven't looked awful sometimes yeah my i just i have no faith in miami or Tannehill, and i think oakland's at least good enough to get one at home here i'll pick the raiders yeah i kind of feel the same way where i i I hate to be picking the same as you all the time i'm not trying to do that in a lame effort to stay close but i feel for the most part that the raiders have done okay their defense played pretty well yesterday so i think they can beat miami at home they're due for one you would think and yeah miami's just not as good as i thought they would be so I will agree and pick the Raiders. The Jacksonville Jaguars in San Diego. Um, I'll, I'll go San Diego. San Diego. Had Jacksonville been at home, it might be an upset special, but um, I think San Diego is looking pretty good. I think they'll take this one. Yeah, Jack. Well, I wonder if Bortles will play. Uh, I would think so. Did, did he start yesterday or come in later in the game? No, they're down like thirty to nothing at halftime, so they put him in then, and he got a gotcha. couple touchdowns. But. Actually, Blake Bortles will start against the Chargers in Week 4, so I still think the Chargers will win, but it'll be more interesting. Sure. Okay, the Buccaneers at the Steelers. Man, this would have knocked the socks off of 2002, but unfortunately, (laughs) it's 2014. Uh, The Buccaneers look awful, Um, not only aesthetically, but as a football team. So they're worthy of those crappy uniforms, and uh, the Steelers are going to pound them. Yeah, I'll take Pittsburgh, too. I, I... Part of me thinks that uh, Vincent Jackson and, and uh, Mike Evans can get something going here on offense. But, I mean, just watching that game last week, they looked so far behind. I mean, it looked like a oh, Division One college team playing a Division Two yeah. or an FCS school. So it just it was such a disparity there, and they looked so bad. I've actually seen quite a bit of them this year so far, thanks to the Red Zone channel. So mm-hmm. I, there's no way I can pick them until I see them win, Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's strange to watch the Falcons and Buccaneers on Thursday and then on Saturday morning watch Bowling Green State against the Badgers and they not be noticeably different. I yeah, mean, it, it, it felt like exactly like that. You're right. Yeah, it was pretty bad. The Falcons at the Vikings, kind of an interesting matchup here. I think it's your turn to go first. Yeah, I'll pick Atlanta. I don't know if I'm going to pick Minnesota all year without Adrian Peterson. <laughs> play. It's, I'll take Atlanta. Yeah, I'll uh, take Atlanta as well. I, we'll see. Uh, there's another one. I wonder if uh, Matt Castle is out and Teddy Bridgewater is going to start. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, the, I guess. I don't know. Who cares? They're going to lose. Okay, the Eagles going to San Francisco to take on the 49ers. I think Philadelphia and Arizona, there are not many 3-0 teams left. So 
Mm-hmm. And, and Arizona is not playing this weekend, so they got a chance to uh, be the only undefeated team, depending on what happens in this game. Yeah, this is a really hard one. Um, this might be the one I'm having the most difficulty with, just because Philly has kind of found themselves down a couple times this year, and I know if you do that against San Francisco, you're probably SOL and you're probably not going to come back. But <laughs> yeah. um, I just think the 49ers, their just defense hasn't looked that good. I mean, they got beat by Stanton a couple times yesterday, and I just, I don't know. I don't think that offense is very good, and I think the defense is not as good as it was. So I think I've been more impressed with Philly, so I'm going to take Philly on the road. I'll take San Francisco because Philadelphia's defense has not been very good this year, and I think this feels like a game where the 49ers can right the ship, and I think they're maybe in trouble when you look at it from a season long, but they feel, not to go old again, that's all I have in my bag of tricks, so. <laughs> but they, the 49ers this year remind me a lot of the 2003 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where every week you wanted to say, this team's dead, they don't have what it takes, and then they'd play a good team and they'd whoop them. And slowly they'd kind of stay in it, and and all, a lot like the 97 Cowboys, where they'd beat good teams and then lose to bad teams, beat good teams, lose to bad teams, and then eventually they just run out of steam and they have kind of a bad finish. So I kind of feel that could happen to the 49ers, but for now they're going to stay in it and I think they're going to beat the Eagles. Well, they're going to be super pissed off too, so I mean that definitely might give them an edge. I just can't see them covering all those weapons that Philly has. Yeah. Well, and and what about who's going to cover all the weapons that the 49ers fans bring to the stadium, though? <laughs> that was a good one. Did you see that fight they had with the Cardinals fans? No, I didn't. Oh, they had a fight, like a bloody, bloody fight. I didn't watch the video because I was at work, but apparently there was some really bad brawl between 49ers fans and Cardinals fans this week. What is it with San Francisco sports fans that just gets everybody all riled up? It doesn't seem like a city that would be getting in fights all the time, but it seems like every notable... Stan's fight is, has somebody from San Francisco involved. Yeah, I don't know, but I have no desire to ever watch a game there. <laughs> yeah. Sounds awful. All right, the Saints at Cowboys and two teams that wish it was 2009. I'm going to go Saints here. I think you're right with what we were talking about before. I think that offense is a little outdated, and it's super frustrating as a guy who has Drew Brees in both of his fantasy leagues <laughs> this year. Um, but... Uh, I mean, Dallas just got crushed in the first half by St. Louis. I don't think that's a sign of a very good team. I'll take the Saints. I'm actually going to take Dallas in this game because the Saints just don't ever seem to be very good on the road. And their defense, once again, looks kind of iffy. And so I think it'll be a wild and crazy game, but I think Dallas will be able to beat them at home. Sure. And should I'm gonna, be a good game to watch, though, yeah. I'm sure that now that I say that, I'm sure the Saints will win, but I'll stay with the Cowboys. And in further proof that whoever selects the Monday night football games for ESPN is not a football fan, the Patriots take on the Chiefs. Ugh, yeah, I, don't, not look, I probably won't watch this one, but I'll take uh, New England. Yeah, I... Well, yeah, it's going to be probably pretty gross, like 18 to 13 <laughs> or something like that. Um, yeah, the Chiefs are just so beat up on defense. The Patriots yeah. just don't look very good this year, but it's the same case we've talked about the last couple of years where they're not very good, but nobody in their vicinity is good enough to take away anything from them. So I think this is another case where, just like you said, the Patriots will probably kick six field goals and they'll win 18-14 to 14 or something like that. So I'll take the Patriots, but I guess it wouldn't surprise me if the Chiefs beat them. And then some other teams have some bye weeks, so we're already in the bye week season, which is kind of a disappointment. Yeah, six teams. Seems kind of crazy at week four already. Yeah, maybe they're just trying to get them out of the way. Yeah. All right, so uh, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to talk about from yesterday? No, I guess not. We can get right into the Bears-Packers. 
Yeah, what about Peyton? Do you feel bad for him at all? I wouldn't say I feel bad for him. I think in terms of that game, if you have a moral victory, I mean, they were down. It looked like they were out. For them to come back and tie and take the overtimes, pretty impressive. So I think that even though they lost, they showed that they've definitely maybe closed the gap a little bit in Seattle, no less, too. So mm-hmm. I think that was a good game for them. I, I like what I saw. Yeah, their defense definitely looks improved. and I Or Seattle's offense just isn't very good. Uh, they just feel like a team who's automatic at home, but... They just feel maybe that's the allure of them as maybe a, a fun champion to chase is that they look so vulnerable at home. They yeah. never play all that great. This was the same game they played against San Francisco in the NFC title game that they played against New Orleans in the divisional round where you just feel like if the game was a quarter longer, although this one yesterday was, but if the game was a quarter longer that the other team could beat them and they just run out of time. Uh-huh. But... I think Peyton Manning, I, I, like you said, I don't feel sorry for him, but gosh, if that guy could just convince himself in the playoffs that it's week three, I know. he's the best player ever in September and October. He, he's unbelievable. He can't even move, and he's eluding rushers and just throwing pinpoint strikes. It was actually really fun to watch. Yep. And, yeah, I guess uh, I don't have anything else. I, I'm glad to put this week behind us. It, yeah, Absolutely. It feels so miserable right now to be a Wisconsin sports fan. People were joking that Aaron Rodgers in his press conference sounded like he wished it was 2011. Well, as a Wisconsin sports fan, I wish it was still 2011. Oh, yeah, so bad this year. Yeah, the Packers offense can't score. The Brewers can't hit a ball off a tee to get runs. The the Badgers blew their only important regular season game that they've maybe played in 15 years. It's just... It's kind of a, a rough time if you follow all those Wisconsin sports. Yeah. All right, so Bears, Packers, what do you see happening? I think this is. I, I think the whole time we've done the show, I maybe picked against the Packers like three times, but this is going to be number four. Um, I said before last week that it just seemed like the kind of season where you lose at Detroit and you lose at Chicago, just because the gap is so close. You're not as you know, far above them as you're used to being. And I still picked the Packers last week despite feeling that way, and I was clearly proven wrong. Um, so what we talked about before with those teams being so similar, and they're right, I think Detroit's front seven is better. And Chicago's defense is, is maybe not as good overall. They, I think they lost Charles Tillman for the year now. Mm. But, but I can't see our, our, I can't see us outscoring them. In this game, for whatever reason, I think our defense isn't any better than theirs, and um, I guess I just don't have confidence right now. I'm a little bit broken after what we've seen the last three, the first three weeks of the year. So mm-hmm. I've got nothing boosting me into picking the Packers right now. So I'm going to pick the Bears. Oh man, when you can't see the Bears or the Packers winning, that's I know I never pick against the Packers. It feels weird, but I just I have if I'm at confidence at 100% meter, I'm at like. 15% right now. Ugh, that's a sad state of affairs. That the Packers broke Matt's spirit. That means yeah. they're playing really bad. Uh, I agree with almost everything you said. Is I don't expect the defense to play uh, good again like they did last week. And I know Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall are a little, are a little banged up, and we haven't seen them. They still have another game to play. Uh, from the time we're taping this until the game on Sunday. So who knows what happens tonight against the Jets. But, uh, 
yeah, I don't I don't see the defense being able to hold them, and the offense gives me no reason to believe that they're going to get better. They've struggled with the Bears in the past. I mean, they've had games. Yep. They, they only scored 21 in the NFC Championship game when they played them for the NFC North title in uh, 2012. They only scored 21, so they've never been able to just tear them up all that often, and I don't think this week's going to be any different. So I think they're going to be in a pretty deep hole at 1-3, and three, having lost two games on the road in the division, which is... I mean, it's not over, but gosh, I ne- never expected that to happen after the way they started this offseason. <laughs> Alright, so that about does it for a wholly depressing edition. <laughs> yeah, that's a really sad episode. <laughs> yeah, well, every game is a really sad episode for the Packers that's true. right now. Yeah, what can you do? They've played two good quarters in 12 opportunities right now. So we'll see. I guess I always reference the past, so now I, I get to know what it felt like in, uh, you know, 1990 and all those kind of years when you're like, oh, we just need a couple breaks to go our way, and we won't be 1-7 anymore. So I don't know. It feels like 05, does it not right now? Yeah, I wouldn't say 05, but it's... Uh, 08, where every week yeah, you feel like they're a better team and they lose anyways? Yeah, that's kind of more along. I don't think they're 05 bad. Um Maybe not. Maybe even a little better than 08, but it's definitely that kind of frustrating season. Yeah, at least they've lost to some good teams. Once they start, like 08, they were you know off like a bad Texans team and stuff, which we witnessed firsthand. Those kind of games where you, yeah, you lose bad to bad teams. If they had a loss to the Jets, I'd have said 08 for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, that would have been an 05 territory because if yeah, they wouldn't have come back in the Jets, yeah. But uh, hopefully they can get back on track and we can have some better stuff to talk about. And uh, yeah, we'll. we'll if the Packers try harder next week, we'll try harder to be positive, and so that ought to motivate the team, right? Sounds good, yep. Okay, so everybody try your best to enjoy this week, and uh, the season's young yet, so we still got time. Take care, everyone.